You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to that Chelsea Podcast, episode 94. Take a chill pill. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast, the podcast that has got Ben Chilwell to thank for being in a relatively good mood this Sunday morning. I'm joined for the first time this season by Jay Tomlins. Jay, how are you doing, my man? I'm good, man. I'm good. I've had a, I've had a, a whole afternoon of watching the Food Fighters to forget about yesterday's game, so I'm good. But we're gonna, we're gonna relive it all today. Yeah, no, exactly. We're gonna relive two games as well as some incomings and outgoings, which may bring a tear or two, or none, depending if you're cold-hearted or not. <laughs> <laughs> as I always do with guests, I get them to give themselves a plug. So, Jay, why didn't you tell people the many various ways they can find you in all your uh, work? Too many, mate. There's too many. Just just go. What I most care about at the moment is the Bat Post. So on, on all so, uh, social media, the Bat Post, that's my podcast that I do with a Spurs fan, unfortunately. So we talk about the weekend's football uh, and all that kind of stuff. Every an episode comes out every single Monday, so check that out. Back post wherever you listen, or on YouTube, or on Twitter. Go go check it out. Yeah, make sure you check it out. And all Jay's various links will be in the description below. Go check him out. He's a good lad. Right, Jay. It's been it's been a busy week, yeah. and there's been two games to talk about football. But we're not even going to start there. We're going to talk about two incomings. First off, because I think this is the easier player to talk about, so because we actually know quite a bit more about him than the second guy. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, thoughts? Oh, my days. I was so hoping when these rumours came out that this wasn't true, Nick. I really was hoping that I hated this dude. And you know what? I don't respect Arsenal that much, but I actually respected them a lot for what they did to him because he had an attitude problem with the group. It was bringing negative energy and they got rid of something we could have done with Lukaku maybe sooner. But he's a blue now, so I love him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, yeah, no, that's, that's how it works now he's he to be fair a lot of the things we were missing he has those attributes um and you know that's it's kind of like a, a short-term fix which I'm okay with and I think I think if you're looking at like the business that, that's been done this looks like one of those plans where Aubameyang comes in you know you know he's at his like most effective right now in in his age and in his career so he'll come in hopefully hit the ground running he's been in the Premier League before get some goals just add goals to our game and then hopefully with Broya getting that long deal long-term deal he can then kind of play behind him learn off him and then be that longer term fix for uh the goal scoring problem at Chelsea so to be honest I'm actually okay with the deal I was very negative about it at first but it's not too bad, really. He's a good player. He knows Tuchel. He knows some of the lads. He, he, and we can rattle some Arsenal fans, so it's a win-win. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Look, it's it's one of those, it's perhaps not the most inspired signing for some people. I get it, his age, exactly. The fact that, you know, 
how he ended at Arsenal. You know, the form did seem to fall off quite a lot. Then he's gone to Barcelona, banned the goals in. And look, Tuchel knows him. Tuchel will know how to get the best out of him. As I said, there's a goal, there's a goal scorer in there. 68 goals in 128 Premier League appearances. You know, that's better than one in every two. Um, we're crying out for goals in this team still. Let's hope it can work because, again, it's it's Tuchel's man. And if Tuchel can't get him to work, then, that, then if, you know, the blame and the pressure will, will fall on Tuchel's door. So, look, welcome Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. You know, it's typical Chelsea's probably signed a striker a couple of years, a few years later than we should have done. Um, you know, always maybe not quite Engham at their peak. But, look, there's potential there. Um it could work. It could work really well. So we'll have to see, obviously. And also, it will be there will be quite a, a sense of irony if his first, uh, quite a bit of humour as for his first Chelsea appearance is in the Champions League a competition that he did not play a sing, make a single appearance in during his time at Arsenal. So yeah, welcome Pierre. Um, it's good to have you on board. And you know, I think he can also let's hope he can be a good vibes in that dressing room. Just imagine if oh, just imagine if Rudiger was still here. Him and Rudiger, that'd be that'd be craziness in that dressing room. <laughs> that would be fun. Um, yeah. Second player. Dennis Zakaria. Zachariah. Dennis for Menace. Zed for Zachariah. No, not the film starring Margot Robbie and Chris Pine. Um, and another <laughs> actor's name who I can't pronounce, who I do not want to butcher. Um, but yes, he's also very well uh, prominent actor. Jack. Uh, Jack. Jay. <laughs> Zakaria. Zachariah. Yeah. Came out of nowhere. Um, yeah, really, it kind of, it kind of seemed like on, on deadline day, we were just kind of doing, you know, almost a supermarket suite and, you know, a the card or whatever, and the card, you know, except that payment went through on, on, on Dennis Zachariah somehow. Obviously, we went for it in Fred and Alvarez. I, I was like, no. Uh, Zachariah hasn't even been at Juventus very long. Um, you know, formerly a Borussia Mönchengladbach as well, probably where people know him best. It's a DM. We were, it was kind of clear we are light in midfield. But is it one of those, I guess, time will just tell, we don't really know what we're getting and let's just hope it's better than Saul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, I think, you know, you can, if you're a Chelsea fan saying, you know, you think this guy's going to fix all the problems, you'll be lying because you don't know that much about this fella. He seems like a competent midfielder. You know, he's he's a defensive midfielder, which is the most important thing about his profile to us because that's as much as I know, really. Um, but... Like like you say, hopefully he's better than Saul and hopefully he can just do a job in that midfield because, I mean, after the game, and I know we'll get to the game, there's still something that we're lacking with. So hopefully, hopefully, hopefully that he this guy can step up into that responsibility for us. Yeah, no, exactly. And I know a good friend of the pod, Nishal, is very happy that Chelsea got a Swiss player. So again, for that reasons, I'm, fa- I'm fairly happy he's here. And look, we'll just have to see. And look, all he's got to do is not get subbed off at halftime in his first two Premier League games. And he's basically already had a better impact than Saul has. <laughs> so look, welcome, Dennis for Menace. Um, it's good to have you on board. Jay, now let's get sad. We're gonna, I guess we'll, we'll build up to it. We'll build up to it in sadness, all right? So let's start off with the fact that Callum hudson has only gone loan. There were obviously talks at one point it might be, you know, the buyback, uh, a, a, a buy option, sorry, in there. He's gone on loan to Leverkusen. He got an assist yesterday, five minutes on, into his debut off the bench. For Callum, is it a case of a, long, a loan being long overdue? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think we gave him that contract. Maybe he was too young, maybe he was too inexperienced, and he wasn't really ready to be on that type of money and that type of importance. He could have done with this loan a long time ago, and the Bundesliga is the perfect place. We've seen this time and time again now. With young stars, not not even and, and also young English stars go in there and they just flourish. Look at Jude Bellingham, look at Sancho. They do start to perform and they find a lot of confidence, a lot of form. Uh, and it's a great place to develop young talent. So yes, he should have gone maybe a few seasons ago, but I'm happy he's there now. I think he was getting wasted a little bit. I don't Tuchel didn't fully see him in the plan. So I'm happy that he's actually gonna go and get some time and develop. And this is the best thing for him. Like, even if he comes back and we sell him. Hopefully he goes out there, proves what he's worth and we sell him and he gets a better career off the back of it because he deserves more than just being a bench or sometimes not even a bench player. Yeah, no, exactly. And all we do know from Bundesliga experience, if Callum has a brilliant season in the Bundesliga, we're also going to be left with massive, massive trust issues. See what's <laughs> happened with Timo Werner yeah, and Kai Havertz. Um, but yeah, no, look, it's good for Callum. It's long overdue. We've, as I said, Callum, the Callum Hudson-Odoi project has never really got off the ground in the what four or five years it, since it's been going there's obviously been various in, reasons for that including a, a fairly serious injury 
but now it's time to kind of kickstart and look at all Chelsea, you know, successful youth graduates have had a loan somewhere. Callum hadn't had a loan to the season. That loan had been big to, for their development. So let's hope you can get good minutes, you know, there and, and let's see what happens because, you know, he needed it and now it's his chance to try. And he's still young. He's still a young player. So time is still on his side and let's hope he can do well. Um, in, you know, some very sad news, Jay. Billy Gilmore, the um, Brew Iniesta, as like, you know, lovingly dubbed him, has left on a permanent to Brighton. I guess the writing was on the wall, you know, that contract extension got triggered, uh, you know, meaning he had had more than just about one year contract extension got triggered, meaning he had two years, not one year left. Um, he was cut from the preseason season tour main group, despite the likes of Kennedy, Ross Barkley and Mitchie Batshuayi, you know, staying in that group to quote, keep the level high. Um, the writing was firmly on the wall, but just your like thoughts on B, because it feels really sad that there was a player who was so talented, uh, has performed at, at a, on the highest stage, man of match in the Euros against England only last summer. Um, and a player that, you know, he was kind of like, before the despair and the depression that hit us with COVID, he was that like bright light, that one little last lease of joy we got before life went to shit for a year and a half, two years. Um, just your thoughts on losing Billy Gilmore, how sad it is. Oh, mate, this one, this one's the most sad for me. I can't lie. This one really upset me. I, I know this is a podcast, but if you see, I've got a photo of Billy Gilmore and Snoop Dogg with my <laughs> phone background. That's how much this kid means to me. I love him, man. He, like you said, I mean, that, you put it perfectly there. Maybe that's why I love him so much because he was that exciting spark at the end just before COVID, weren't he? Like he, Man of, man of the match in the FA Cup, weren't it? I think, and was it against Liverpool? It was, wasn't it? Yeah, and then man of the match on his, you know, first Premier League start against Everton as well. He has so much about him. And it's just, that's one of the biggest shames that Tuchel just didn't see that. And listen, Tuchel knows more about football than I ever will. So I guess we have to trust him. But I, I it's just a massive shame. And considering our, our midfield problems as well, like I feel like him as a defensive mid would have surely a role to play like, especially at the minute. So I, this one confuses me a little bit but and, and saddens me, but I think I'm happy for him personally because he's going to a great club. Brighton are so fun and exciting with a great manager at the minute. And if, you know, if if, if they see something in, in him and they're going to start playing him, because obviously he's, he's, he's moved to Norwich was a bit of a failure and everyone kind of judges him off the back of that. But Norwich were a rubbish team and it was going to be hard to, regardless. I think he can flourish at Brighton and hopefully become the player we know he can be. And that's a similar thing to what I said about Hudson Odoi. But yeah, that one's the most sad for me, I think. Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, exactly. A top talent. And look, I said, from his point of view, Brighton is a great move. Brighton are a club, you know, going places, brilliant recruitment, the way that club is run. Very exciting to watch. No, they're, they're ahead of us in the Premier League at the moment as well. Um, so Billy, who knows, next season Billy might be playing Champions League football and we won't. We'll have to wait <laughs> and see. But now look, oh, all God. best, Billy. It, it was, you know, he was a real bright spark. He was a re- real joy to watch. Like, it's a bit frustrating given the, you know, how certain players in this current team are being utilised out of position and Billy was right there, but he's not really been given a fair chance. Um, in my eyes, I, you know, I would have liked him to just have a chance to fail and prove he's not good enough rather than just not get that chance at all. And to me, that's yeah. what it feels like. That may be harsh, but I just don't think he's had the real opportunities under Tuchel that he kind of deserved to get. So it is what it is. But look, Tuchel is a man. He's a man in charge. Again, these decisions, if they you know, backfire and things go wrong, they all just come back to him. And that's reality. And that's what he does. He's a manager. He knows that. So it's sad for Betty, but, you know, we move on. And so is life. Uh, in other news, Kennedy left. Yay. Long really? overdue. Barkley's <laughs> contract got terminated. Yay. <laughs> him, I'm, I'm just bring back him, him coming off a bench in an FA Cup final last season and taking a penalty in a shootout. We just, just showed how bizarre last season was. But now, oh, yeah, yeah, he's on the main preseason group and then his contract gets terminated a month or so later. Emerson went permanently to West Ham. Brilliant news. Obviously played mm-hmm. against us yesterday. Heart, again, him kicking the corner flag half-heartedly just kind of summed up his whole Chelsea career as well. Just that whole, you know, <laughs> what are you what are you really doing type thing yeah. um so that was you know brilliant news as well and jay i'll go to you first mark salonzo has left before i give him a lovely tribute i'll let you just say your thoughts on mark salonzo leaving yeah i, I you said just before we started the pod like i i never really liked alonzo I, I i wanted him out for a fair few years and um i i don't really like him as a person and as a footballer he was quite limited towards the end 
so I wasn't too asked about seeing the back of him. Uh, that being said, his his post about leaving Chelsea, you know, he's been here for ages, won everything he can win. He's done, he's had a successful career. So his post about leaving Chelsea actually did make me a little bit sad with that with that comment right at the end. So well, I, I wish him all the best, but I'm not too sad about seeing him leave. But I know you are, Nick, so I'll let you take this one. Yeah, Mark Alonso. An enigma, most definitely. Fantastic hair, brilliant technique. A striker, robbed, robbed of one of the finest strikers of his generation, potentially. Wand of a left foot, brilliant free kick taker. Look, he played a part in a lot of Chelsea's success, especially those first two years under Antonio Conte, big part of that Premier League success, important part of that FA Cup success. After that, you know, with the various formation changes, et cetera, imposable, and he became a bit less important, but still he stepped up last season. He played a big role in Ben Chilwell's absence. And look, there's a scene, there's a scene in Modern Family where Hayley and Andy are at the airport and, they're, and they know they've kind of like got to break up because Andy's got a job elsewhere and it's like long distance. And they see a couple at the airport and they're like, we're not going to do that. We're not going to be dramatic. And they're just throwing away silly phrases. And then Hayley like goes, you're the first man I ever loved. And for Marcus, I just want to say, you're the first ever wing, you're the first wing back I ever loved. That's kind of what it feels like. You know, I, you know, the wing, we've just been used to Chelsea and fullbacks. And then Conte comes in and wingbacks become a thing. And in the last five or so years, wingbacks are now like a thing we kind of talk about a lot more. And Marcus Fonzo, you were the first ever wingback that I ever loved. Um, your hair was fantastic. And look what yours forever running down the left wing for you. I mean that God, That's get that tattooed on your body, someone. Get that tattooed. That is to that is tattoo worthy, you know. That is beautiful. That was pulling at the heartstrings. That was that was poetic, you know. Shakespeare would be proud of that line. Jeez. That <laughs> it was it's I know I kind of joked on this podcast, you know, but before that, you know, I was waiting for him to fuck off before I gave him a proper tribute. But honestly, and it did feel like the time was right as I say it was that long running TV series that needed to come to an end or that long running film franchise. I know good friend of pod Daniel Charles kind of made a joke about, you know, how many fast and furious movies there are still going on with Alonso. It did kind of feel a bit like that. Um, you know, I wish him, wish him best. He's got gone to Barcelona. So again, he's not, he's not done too bad, that bloke. <laughs> it's not a bad move. Obviously we'll have to see the state of Barcelona in a year or two, but look, I'm pleased for, you know, Marcus again, he wasn't everyone's cup of tea completely get that. Uh, as a footballer, he was limited, but I think it was important for people to actually recognise that and realise he was not a world beater and that you can't have a world beater in every position. And that ultimately, he was, you know, a, a 7 out of 10 player. Often enough, I'd say, played a big part in our success. So, look, I wish you well, Marcus. I wish you well. It's been it's been a pleasure. Um, yeah. Right, Jay. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk football. Mm. Let's get Tuesday out of the way. <laughs> oh, Southampton, Southampton, Southampton. The first 20 minutes were good. The first 20 minutes were good. Uh, Sterling scored. We were looking quite good. Mount was kind of looking a bit back to his best. And, you know, we thought, OK, here we go. Unfortunately, after that goal, we kind of stopped playing football. That was really, really, really grim to watch. I can't just put a tweet after the game. I just said, joyless to watch, devoid of ideas. Games littered with individual errors, lack of discipline, certain players getting exposed to being here one season too many, attacks still struggling, and the biggest strength players of defence now leaky. Early days, but we were in trouble. And Southampton, that game, that just felt really dumb. That probably felt one of the worst performances we'd probably seen in the Tuchel era, just in terms of the fact that you know we went behind. And I don't think any of us really had any confidence we'd get back into that game. Yeah, no, it, it, I mean, you can connect this one to the West Ham game, but 
when once we've conceded a goal nowadays, it kind of feels like all hope is lost because you know the mentality of these players at this moment in time isn't one of which we'll go and win this game now. We'll do that. And hopefully the West Ham changes things, but we'll talk about that in a bit. It was, yeah, it was so bad. I said this the other day. Like, I don't know if I've enjoyed a Chelsea game yet, Nick. This season, I don't know if I have. Like, I, every single game I can think about, like, has been stressful, annoying, and ended with me feeling a bit sour. And this was probably the worst one. This was a terrible performance. It was absolutely void of any sort of uh, passion, um, any sort of kind of hope once they scored as well. Like, we completely, it looked like we gave up a little bit and it was, so, so, so surprising. I don't know what's going on. I think it, and it's definitely a mentality thing over an ability thing, surely, because, you know, we've got some brilliant players that have proved it under various different managers. Uh, but it just felt like in that moment, we we kind of slumped and didn't know how to get out of that slump. And that's probably one of the biggest things that Tuchel has to work on with this group. Yeah, no, exactly. Sterling continuing his fine start to the season with a goal. And then, unfortunately, it all went to crap afterwards. Yeah, it wasn't good. Um, and, yeah, it was it, it was tough to watch. And at that point, you know, five games in, we were, you know, seven points from five games. We were languishing about 10th place. Uh, you know, 15-16, we ended 10th. It was quite fun to just kind of laugh and joke over potential parallels between that. And then it wasn't, it was a tough night. And as I said, Jay, you're bang on. Chelsea have not been fun to watch this season. Yesterday was joyless to watch till Ben Chilwell came on and we'll get on to Ben Chilwell in a minute. But yeah, it was just one of those where at full time, I was just apathetic to it all. And I was like, right, OK, on to Saturday, because that just feels the general mood around Chelsea. And maybe it's changed after yesterday a bit, given, you know, how the manner we won that game and who was, you know, integral in turning that around. But it just, Chelsea does feel just a bit the joy, joyless at the moment. And it does feel we're kind of, you know, one game away from just a mini crisis, which just isn't nice at this stage of the season. But we're going to go on. So West Ham, and I was confident for this game. This is the most confident I've been for a game this season. I said we would win to people. I said we would. And I said we would because this flaky bunch normally bounce back after a disappointing result. And that's twice this season after two poor defeats. They have bounced back with a win. But Jay, dear Lord, that was tough to watch. I mean, I'll be brutally honest. That first half, I was literally thinking, I have absolutely nothing to talk about on this podcast with you. It's going to allow us more, you know, it's going to allow us to maybe make some time back for all the other bits we've got to talk about. That first half was boring as, wasn't it? Mate, it was so bad. It was, so, and, and the commentators were saying, you know, how defensively good West Ham were, and don't get me wrong, they were. But we weren't doing anything to test them. They were just keeping their formation, moving left and right as we were moving it left and right. And that was all that was happening. It was one of the worst halves of football this season. I think it was just terrible. And West Ham were obviously buzzing with that because, you know, they're playing away at Stamford Bridge and we're not even testing them. And Fabianski didn't have to make a save or was there even a shot on target? I don't think there was. Like It was just so, so, so poor that first half. And it was, again... The start of the feeling, like, great, I'm not going to annoy and I'm not going to enjoy another Chelsea game this season. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, it was obviously a debut for Wesley Fofana, uh, which was nice. Obviously, you know, kind of, you know, on the previous pod, we kind of discussed him because he was basically all but signed, obviously, during the week after Southampton. We did get that official confirmation that he signed, obviously, you know, to, to bring the mood up a little bit. But yeah, that first half was dull. I said, I can't think of anything noteworthy in that first half. Uh, second half kicks off. And a game which West Ham haven't really threatened in. They've looked ordinary themselves, but Jay, but from which has an error. I say an error, and I'm not even, you know, I'm not, I, this, I don't even think this is solely on Mendy, although he has, he plays a big part. A corner comes in, he doesn't really deal with it properly. He kind of, fl- you know, palms it away, but still keeps it in play. And a West Ham body's there first, and they manage to scramble it in, and Antonio scores. And I think the most depressing thing at that point was I was think, thinking, well, at 0 0, I didn't think we were going to lose that game. And then all of a sudden, that became a very real possibility. Like, I wasn't convinced we were going to win that game at 0-0. But then all of a sudden, like, it became a very real possibility. And we put ourselves under pressure, into crisis, by conceding another set-piece goal. I think that's the fourth set-piece goal we've conceded this season. Yeah, it's it's not great, man. I don't... The set-piece thing is terrible. I mean, it's it was at the same end as well as as the Spurs 
you know, equaliser. It was every single corner that they had, they were threatening us. I think if maybe a few times in the first half, definitely in that second half. I think they had a few corners where it was like every single time it was ropey. It was just a matter of time before it was going to go in and then obviously it fumbled in. And yeah, I think I do put partial of the blame on Mendy here because that that is like it's it's come to him first. So he's the person that needs to deal with it. And the way he's punched it is not great. Could he have caught it? I don't know. It's coming in quite fast. He could have punched it way harder than he did. He just kind of like limp-wristed it out and it just fell to Declan Rice. It wasn't his decision-making, and obviously we'll go on to the, the later point in a bit, but his decision-making in the last, maybe just this whole season, has not been there. I think he's technically very good goalkeeper. And when he's not thinking, unbelievable. When the shot comes flying at him and he has to make a reactionary save, he's probably one of the best in the league. But when he has to think for just a second... It, things go wrong and yeah that I that the set piece thing is terrible isn't it we need to we need to sort that out quickly because it's a weakness that other teams will be able to see and sniff out pretty quickly yeah yeah no exactly and at one nil down you're kind of thinking oh dear here we go again obviously the big news from the game is that Mason Mount and Kai Havertz were on the bench to start this game both that was fair you know they've both been poor this season um but obviously both were then brought on to try and save the day but the person who did save the day Jay Ben Chilwell, oh. and this this probably this cameo from him probably was the most joyous moment of the season for me. And I can't just tweet about the game, but I just said this given what he's been through that serious injury. You know, he's not really played much football to then come on and have that impact. He did. He won us that game. He won us that game. And let, let's start that first goal. I just want to say, and that, again, friend of Paul Dan Charles made you know kind of bring press. Is very similar in a way to that Leicester disallowed goal in the cup final that Chile scored in terms of that. It's a diagonal from from um, Silva yeah. that Chile gets and he, you know, heads it down and then manages to squeeze it between Fabianski's legs. I mean, that was just a brilliant finish. Oh, he's so good, isn't he? He's so, so good. I'm so happy for him. And he was so happy, like, on his social media after you can tell it meant the world to him. And it meant the world to us. It got the bridge up. You know, I think all this season we've gone down and the negativities hit us. And most Chelsea fans at the bridge and most Chelsea fans watching at home thought, all right, they've gone one nil up now. We're probably not going to win this. We might draw this. But then the second he scores that goal, which is a fantastic bit, it's the the touch off his head and to control it, that that tight of an angle to get it past the keeper, it's incredible. And it got the fans right behind the team once again. It was everything we needed. And I'm so happy for him because, like you said, he's been through the, a lot recently and, and, you know, a season ago before the injury, he was one of our most important players. Him and, and Reese were the most important things to our team. Like to see him back and see him scoring a goal, it meant the world. And I think, um, and, I, and I think this is a lot of people are like saying, our oh, Chua needs to start, blah, 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 like get Kukurella out. But like, I know Kukurella was a bit of a weird signing, but the fact that he's there now and he's such a talented left back, it's probably a little put a fire under his ass. Chua, well, he's gone right. I've got a got to perform now and that's what good teams do that's what good football teams do they have depth they have competition and that means that other players play well and Chilwell's come in knowing that he needs to make a difference and absolutely did and that's what that piece of business has done for us now and now we have two really competent left backs so yeah couldn't be happier with that that um Chilwell goal he, he's such and I'm just happy for him because he seems like such a good bloke yeah no exactly I mean he has a big hand in our winner across and of course, Guy Havertz, who has basically been a useless donkey up front this season, <laughs> scores the goal, a good finish. Yeah. And Chelsea are 2 and up, Jay. And at that point, you're just thinking, yes, relief. But again, just oh, a word, man. I guess a word on Kai Havertz's goal and Benji was cross. Nick, I was going so great at this moment because I was watching a, a very, very legitimate stream of this game. And uh, Kai Havertz's goal has gone in. And it's just pure joy, isn't it? Because I didn't expect it. I've gone mad. I've been punching my sofa. I'm just going crazy. And then the stream has glitched. So I watched the Havertz goal about three times. And I, I weren't too upset by that because it was a lot of fun. Um, great finish. Very instinctive finish. Again, another one of those players that has so much ability and so much technical um, you know, ability, but sometimes thinks too much. And then at this moment, he didn't think he just did. And he's got the goal away. And I think th- this is where Tuchel got it right. Tuchel dropped Mount and Havertz. Because they've been rubbish and they've gone, oh, we've been dropped. We're not shoeings in this team anymore. There's people that can replace us. Come on. I think both of them and Havertz more so with the goal 
you know, proved why he should be in the team. And again, that's a great thing to have. Um, so I was absolutely buzzing uh, with this goal, mate. It was just, it was pure joy that was followed by a lot of stress. <laughs> yeah, let's get into that. Right. Mason Mount puts a pretty poor clearance in, but then I think it still falls back to Reese. Reese with a horrendous, basically, no look headed back pass. Mm-hmm. Mendy kind of like stumbles a bit. Bowen kind of stumbles a bit. Bowen takes out Mendy, takes out, you know, quotes, however you want to, how loosely you want to use that phrase. Mm-hmm. It falls to Maxwell Cornet, who, by the way, had earlier missed a brilliant chance to put West Ham 2 1 up because Jorginho yeah. is called dawdling out the edge of box and then the cross is whipped in and he hits the post at 1 1. Um, but he makes no mistake this time as he's able to slot into an empty net at all. And this is about a minute or two after we've just gone ahead and I'm thinking, oh, I mean, I was just kind of laugh. As I said, despite how the joy Chile gave me, I'm still kind of apathetic to watch Chelsea at this point. So I'm just kind of laughing at it. And then it goes, they go to VAR. And then VAR go to the ref. Now you've got to go to the monitor. And at that point, I knew. At that yeah, point, I knew. Yeah. Because I know I know. I actually think Oliver stopped with his decision, or the ref stopped with his decision of the Forest Bournemouth game yesterday. But we know that you know these refs, they change their mind as soon as they're told to go to monitor. So I kind of had a feeling at that point the goal was going to get disallowed. And it did. And Jay... I'm going to be brutally honest. I think we got away with one, but I don't really care. Oh, no, you shouldn't I care. do not care at all because it's not our fault the refs are incompetent in the Premier League. It's not their <laughs> fault, our fault that they're not very good at their jobs. Yeah, absolutely. We've been screwed over already this season. We've already been screwed over against Spurs by refs and VAR uh, this season. And we don't exactly get a good ride of you know decisions with, with refs and VAR. You know, it's not like you know they're favouring us or anything. So I was very happy to take that. But just oh, your mate, thoughts yeah. on that whole calamitous moment. Gotcha. Yeah, no, um, it's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. should not care. Absolutely, we should not care because it's not our fault. You know what I mean? Three points, no matter what, we get them however we get them. Like, you know, there's been times in the past, but, you know, like it's, oh, I don't know. Like you say, and, and I do a podcast with Josh and he's a Spurs fan. And when we spoke about the Chelsea Spurs game, he was like, Cucurella fouled Romero in the seventh minute anyway, so it's kind of like Carmo that he didn't, blah, blah, blah. So I'll use that same logic, you know, Romero fouled Cucurella, which means that, you know, we deserve this almost. Um, it's it's almost like yin and yang, there's a, everything levels out. Um, and that's the excuse I use. But if we're being real, if we're going to talk like, <laughs> like we're actually going to talk about it for real, we don't deserve that. Uh, so many things went wrong with that whole scenario. Reese, you know, who is our probably our best player at the moment, just silly, silly error, put head in it back. You can see what he's trying to do, just get it out of danger so Mendy can catch it, um, but puts it into danger. But I mean, even then, I put most of the blame on Mendy for this one because what's he doing, Nick? What is he doing? Every keeper in the Premier League, surely gets down on the floor and grabs it and holds it and keeps it in them. They don't just little two-handed palms it out. They don't just get like flimsy little tap out. And then he starts rolling around on the floor because he knows he's fucked it. And then Cornet, who deserved that goal hitting the post before, like you said, slots it away. And to be honest, it should be 2-2 this game. I, I can't I can't sit here and say it shouldn't be. I'm absolutely happy that it's not. And I don't care that it's not, but it absolutely should be 2-2. And, and to go back to my... um. My streaming situation, Nick. Oh, my days. So I'm just watching the Havertz goal on repeat while this is happening. <laughs> so I'm like still buzzing. And then my phone pings. I think the group chat's pinging, like what's going on? And then I think Chelsea notification comes to it's 2 2. I'm like, what's going on? By the time my stream catches up, it's 2 1, but it's after all this happened. I missed the whole VAR. I was so stressed, Nick. Honestly, I was so, I, I was losing the will to live. So <laughs> I was getting so upset. But yeah, it, we got away with it for sure, and um, I, I am happy about that. <laughs> yeah, no, so look, I'll be going to be honest. I kind of blame more of a blame of our goal for Reese. I kind of yeah. am a bit more lenient on Mendy, but the fair play to for the theatrics of that Oscar-winning performance. Yeah, um, he's got, know, he, he did what he had to do. To once do. He, he messed it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But and look, obviously, Tuchel kind of said. Yeah, you know, he, he got injured after it, so we'll, we'll see. Oh, I love to show in the press conference. They're like, "What do you think?" He's like, "It's a clear foul." What are you on about? <laughs> I love that. I love that because you got to do that, haven't you? Exactly. No, exactly. And David Moyes absolutely lost his rags. So yeah. I can expect a, I can expect a fine. Uh, you know, incoming from him, FA, and who knows, maybe even a touchline bound for questioning, uh, the powers that be, unless obviously that only applies to Chelsea. But the full time whistle <laughs> went. 
And Chelsea won 2 1. And it meant for the first time in 13 years, Chelsea came from behind after conceding a goal in the second half to win a game in the Premier League. Yeah, that game, 2009 against Stoke. Obviously, I believe that game, obviously, Rory Delap scored in the second half for us. And then we scored two late goals with, um, was it Belletti and Lampard, I believe. And obviously, that's the famous game where they all mob Scolari at the end. And yeah, it was just crazy. But yeah, the first time Chelsea won a game after going behind in the second half in 13 years. That was a madness. Yeah. Absolute madness. But look, Chelsea won. I believed it was going to happen, did they? Once West Ham had scored, even when Chilwell scored, I thought it's probably 1 1. So yeah, it it was great to actually have that feeling of a comeback. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. That was just what we needed. And, you know, despite. Chelsea's chaoticness, their inability to play good football at points for season, their just general joylessness, somehow fit from the Premier League table at the time of recording, and at worst, <laughs> we'll be down to sixth for the end of the weekend. It's kind of mad. It's kind of mad right now. Um, but yeah. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply we're going to move on to listener questions because we have got a fair few so we shall get to it. First question comes in from Harry. What is the point of playing free at the back? And if the answer is because our midfield is too weak to play for, then why don't we buy a DM in the summer? Harry, Harry, Harry. Um, well, we did get a DM in the summer, technically. <laughs> yeah, geez, I'm grateful. <laughs> no, um, what? free at the back, look. It, Silver and Jorginho mainly protects and he kind of just yeah. protects our weaknesses it kind of gives us solidity it's kind of what we've got success in uh, Jorginho didn't start yesterday also meant Tilga Silver captain that was always nice to yeah. see um, again the free I guess with the free yesterday again I guess we had Ruben playing out a bit deeper with Co- I mean, you know, him and Connor and then Connor a bit further forward Connor I still think struggled a bit there <sighs> why didn't we buy him some Harry because we had too much other shit to sort out <laughs> We had too much other shit to sort out. We had to replace our two departing centre-backs. We had to, you know, get, you know, then we decided that the attack was, you know, an area that we needed to strengthen. I'll be honest. I said to people, I think a while ago, I don't even know if I said on here, I might well have done, but I didn't think we would sign a midfielder because at the time, and despite our options, you know, looking suddenly bare because all of a sudden Kante gets injured, Kovacic has come back from a knee injury and Ruben then has that little, you know, potential injury at Southampton, we look threadbare. But I did kind of feel that midfield would be kind of a last priority purely because of the numbers we have in there. Um, but look, yeah, it's, it's kind of needed. We'll have to see. Hopefully Zachariah can do a job. Uh, Jay, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, the three at the back is to protect to protect some players. And like you said, we found success in it. So it's one of, and like every time we go to about four, it starts to crumble. Everything starts to crumble. These players aren't used to that at the yeah. moment. So, like, I mean, look, look what happened against Southampton. We were like yeah. decent going forward, but we were absolutely, we were so open. I mean, I've literally, I've not even, he's done very well, this player, to not even really get any criticism today in this pod really. That's Georginia, because he oh, was yeah. horrendous against Southampton. Dear Lord. And look, it's not just, you know, his fault. Mate, he was rubbish have... when he came on against West Ham. He only had like 20 minutes. Less than that, Jay. He had about five or ten. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, no, it was... <laughs> look, this is not going to be a Jorginho bashing because I do like the guy. But it was just one of those where, like, I just... Yeah, we kind of saw, even playing a four, that we still struggled at Southampton. And genuinely, the only time I can remember a four of a back working is against Spurs and Antonio Conte last season. Mm. Um, yeah. So, I can't really have, remember before about other times having a huge amount a success, I say the first 20 minutes at Southampton were, were decent, then it all fell apart anyway. And we were yeah. still so open, we were still so so open. So there's still issues with it, and it's really the personnel like, we still didn't have that. And who is that personnel, you know, to sort to play this for the back? You know, 
I don't know if Declan Rice is the only solution, then I don't think it's a viable solution to kind of change this to play forward back because there's got to be another way to play it. So we'll see if a certain Zachariah can do a job. I also I also think as well, we're playing three at the back because we have arguably some of the best wing backs in the league and they are mo- our most creative players at the moment. So we need to utilise that. So like, it's like Tuchel's in this position where he kind of has to, he has to protect Silva because of his age. He has to protect Kulabali also because of his age. We've got Fafano in now to add a bit of pace to that. And then Chilwell, Cucurella and Reese James are all some of the best wing backs and some of our best players. Like, you know, we needed Chilwell yesterday. We've needed Reese to save us in other games. We need them up further up the pitch and that means we can't really play for it at the back. So I understand the frustration from Harry, to be fair, because, I mean, you know, I don't think many football fans love five at the back football, but with the team we've got, we just kind of have to, don't we? Yeah, I mean, look, we could talk about the midfield composition and, you know, if we played a four, would we would get more out of the midfield, some of the midfielders and potentially attackers? But as I said, like, I'd kind of be four or four back if we were with some defensive solidity. Like mm-hmm. right now in this team, there just isn't defensive solidity, and three back kind of makes us more solid. Because I'm going to be brutally honest against West Ham, I thought we were defensively solid. Like we were defensively solid. We conceded a stupid goal from a corner, yeah. and then Reese has a Reese and Mendy and a few have a bozo moment with that disallowed goal. But in general, like West Ham didn't create a huge amount. Mendy didn't really have many saves to make. He had one save to make from a, a bone shot from a corner. Yeah, there, like West Ham did, like Mendy didn't have much save. And I thought in general, like we were quite defensively solid. I thought Fafana was solid yesterday with Silver. Like three back in general, still is probably like best for us, like at this moment in time. Um, but obviously, I get against some teams that like play a low block. Sometimes it will be frustrating to watch. But I know it, it's a tough one. As I said I get firmly get criticism of it. I'm just not sure, like at this moment in time, that the four the back, you know, is a waste. And generally, like I don't think you know. I'm not sure who we could, else we could have got, you know, in the summer. Who's that DM who kind of allows us to switch to the four of the back? I genuinely don't know who else there was. Who else there was? So yeah, we'll leave that one there. Next question comes in from Connarch. Getting difficult to watch for boys string together a chance or a clear cut shot on goal. How does Tuchel turn this around? Um, Obama who? <laughs> if you if you dare finish that phrase, you are banned from this podcast. You will never be on again, Jay. No, no, um, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this, I mean, um, Bama Young, maybe. Young has been brought in for that reason, hasn't he? To, to offer that kind of chance creation and also scoring them. So that's potentially one of them. Yeah, I mean, again, how much will Young create is a question. I think it's yeah. more getting him in there to, to shoot. How does Tuchel turn this around? Connor, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have the solutions, my man. I, I, I try. I think... Like it's kind of clear. I think the midfield, we do miss something there. Again, if we played, oh, I don't, like, but again, again, it kind of links back to Harry's point. Like, our main creation comes from wing backs, and in this formation, I don't think we get huge creativity from the midfield. We get like a little bit every now and then, like from cover. He's probably one of the best, like, at progressing the ball and bringing it forward, etc. Yeah, but think... it's just, yeah, it's tough. I don't know. It's like forward back probably allows us to be more creative I feel it does but then there's the caveat of us not being as defensively sort it's a tough like the three of the back like limits us a bit and it kind of puts a lot of pressure on like Reese and Cucurella or Chile kind of to be sole creators because right now you've got also players out of form up front as well who knows maybe some of those players out of form up front kind of can start performing then who knows yeah I think that formation yesterday was um was something that could be, I mean, it didn't yesterday, but it could be good with with um, more of an attacking mid opposed to three attackers like a winger and a striker or whatever it is. Like I think, although Conor Gallagher struggled recently, him or even putting Mount there, even Havertz there when Obama Yang's playing up front, that could offer a bit of creativity um, if those players kind of, you know, spark into form somehow. I think you know what Tuchel did, and this is where Tuchel is a smart man. And I've already mentioned it already, but dropping Havertz, dropping Mount, saying to them, you aren't assuming for this team, getting them to become better and spark them up a little bit is the way forward, um, I think, to try and get something out of these players a little bit. But, but yeah, it is, it's one of those. It's it's one of the biggest challenges Tuchel's going to face this year. It will show who he is as a manager, if he can deal with this tactically. Yeah, obviously, it kind of was like, what, 
three for, I mean, was it three for two yesterday, three for two, three for one, two, three, three for three could be whatever. But I think if we have, who knows, maybe a Bamiang and say Sterling up top, and we maybe have Kai a little bit in behind, and then we've got that midfield two of, I don't know, Cover and Georgie or something. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe that could be something to to try and work because I'll be brutally on it again. Mason Man on Benjamin, I don't think he did much mm. yesterday. He kind of he got in about, he tried things, didn't come off. But the only thing I like about Mason that the other ones don't do, don't be wrong, Mason's been rubbish this season. But yesterday he did he did the things that no one else was doing, and it was just moving. None of them seemed to move like with on without the ball, and it does just disrupt those defense a little bit. Like and and. We need to see more of that. And it doesn't have to come from him, but he feels like, to me, one of the only players that actually does that. Yeah, look, I'll be honest, I could easily swap, you know, in and out Mason and Cut at the moment in that position, potentially yeah. behind a front two. I'd say Sterling is probably the guy, Sterling is like probably the one definite, you know, from the forwards. Then we'll have to see with Albert. But yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one because I say it is still painful to watch. And you kind of feel like, as I said, our goals yesterday came from a centre back playing a diagonal. To, a, to our wing back in a box and our yeah. wing back crossing it to, you know, putting in a great cross to a striker. Like our, our creation is coming from, from our defenders and we kind of need it from other players as well. Next question comes in from Prashamp. And again, Prashamp, I love that you always, like, I love that I can always kind of tell your question. There's a great sense of frustration and potentially <laughs> anger. No Jorginho, Alonso, Werner, Aspi, Lukaku in our lineup. And we still move the ball at 0.0001 miles an hour. You Tuka, what do you do to change the tempo of our play? I mean, I don't know. Maybe like, look, change your tempo. Can you put like, can you hook them up to? Um, can you can we give them like shock therapy or whatever? Can we like, <laughs> if they don't move a ball up, like we just press a button, they get buzzed, and like a little volt of electricity just goes through them, just to jolt them into <laughs> life. Can we do that? Like they have a time limit on the ball if they've not moved it quick enough. And can is we try and do that in training? Can we do that in training? I don't know. Is it? Is it? Honestly, don't know. Can we? Because <laughs> it is. It is the same stuff. It's it's slow. I mean, look, we we're kind of passing it slow and sideways, and and it was boring. And Jorginho wasn't even on the pitch yesterday. <laughs> just for most of it so Jay I honestly don't know what what can we do it's a great it's a great question isn't it because because it's, it's one of, I don't look like in the past my my answer would have been because Jorginho's on the pitch because so and so is on the pitch because blah 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 so it's a great question how is it still the same without that um it I just I think it's a it is a bit of a d- discipline thing at the moment we need to get some like you say some sort of shot color system on them because you know what when we see these boys move the ball just that extra bit quicker we see things happen when they nick it around like there is something there they just need to be more confident and I think it's probably just a confidence thing but I don't know how to bring out that confidence maybe you know we're playing Zagreb in midweek maybe you know if we get a good result against them that could help with confidence that you know in the past has helped us when we've got like a lower league or a different league opposition to play. So maybe that's a, a thing that could help. But yeah, I'm sorry, mate. It's a, it's a question that maybe only Tuchel can answer. I don't even know if he can. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. It, it is a tough one. I know you bring up confidence. I do think that is a good point because none of Chelsea's wins this season have been convincing. Mm. You know, as I said, Everton away 1-0 was probably, you know, the most convincing yeah. But that's because Everton are kind of toothless up front. And, you know, we never really looked like winning that game if we, you know, apart from that Georgie penalty and against Leicester, we were kind of hanging on a little bit. Yesterday, some luck went away. Like, none of, we don't look convincing at, at the moment. And, and it's one of those things that I kind of mentioned earlier, like, yesterday's win very much did paper over the, cr- the cracks that we still see at Chelsea. Like, I think you kind of be naive to think that it's like that win is anything more at this moment in time than just papering over the cracks. Like, this obviously coming from behind is probably like the biggest thing we take from that as well as Chile's impact, but there's still big issues there. Like we're still conceding goals. I mean, I think that's what nine goals we've conceded in six games or eight game, eight goals conceded in six games. Like it's still far, far too many goals we've conceded. And ultimately like when we are missing some key personnel, I know it's like one injury to N'Golo Kante and we shouldn't be like this, but that midfield like set up like, Ruben Loftus-Cheek has been kind of everywhere this season. Connor's been eventually in a different position. Cover again, like he's still just coming back to fitness. Like how fit is he? Obviously, still he was only kind of fit for twenty or a little bit off the bench against Samson the other day. I like it's it's a tough one because 
as much as I've like kind of in a place where like it's on Tuchel, he's got to get results with these players, yeah. etc. I also do feel like the current what he's got in terms of like just working with is not the best in terms of it. He's got players who are coming back from injuries, and he's not got like if these problems like persist still, are still like really persisting in like the next month or so. That's kind of when I'll kind of get more annoyed. Like I'm still kind of frustrated by certain things because I'm still like example like I don't really want to hear him complaining about our midfield again this season because he was happy with the midfield we had he said you know he was happy with it so it's one of those like it's just yeah it's a tough one I know confidence just players not being in their best positions just all sorts of things I think as well you know it's mad you you bring up Kante like it's just it's so so clear and it's been this way for so so long like Without Kanze, we do struggle. It's just because he offers so much. He's a world-class defensive mid and we've relied on him for so long that when he's injured and obviously gets injured a lot, we we have these periods where we struggle. And I think it's it's we shouldn't be relying on one player like this. But, you know, you look at other teams like Liverpool, when they lost Van Dijk, they were rubbish for a long time. You know, they, they struggled to figure out what... And they bought, like, players from the Championship. They were flapping about, they were doing this and that, and it, it took them ages just to find a bit of form again. And, you know, you can and you can put it to most teams, like, you know, to Spurs a few seasons ago, like, when Kane weren't there, they were struggling. So, like, it, sometimes it is a case of we're missing our best player uh, in Angola, but he, we can't, I mean, with his age and now his fitness, we can't be relying on him anymore, and we need to find a better way. And if that's playing in a different system, or if that's finding a better, or not better, because that'll be hard, but finding a DM, like him is probably the answer but yeah it's quite mad to see how bad we are without him yeah I mean Kant and the thing is with Kant as well I mean he's even he's a lot more but also I think than just a DM he just like comes he drives forward with a ball yeah wins ball up. like it's just a lot that we do miss out on yeah and like look unfortunately Jorginho has been pretty iffy at the start of the season Kovic come back from injury like <sighs> we're not and it's kind of what I come back to. I didn't think preseason was great. And I kind of think it loses that we were not in the best place to start this season. To mm. kind of say in preseason, not sure we'd be ready to start this season. You know, couldn't guarantee we'd be ready. And we just look so iffy at the start of the season. We've just got to hope it will take time. You know, obviously new signings will take time to acclimatise, etc. Like building new partnerships. Like I said, we're building a new partnership of that. I mean, Fafana and Kudabali, they're two new defenders, two new different defenders from last season. Whereas, you know, before we had like a, a rapport of what, 18 months or two years, whatever, of Silva, you know, uh, Christensen and Rudiger together with Mendy. There's a different things there. And the midfield composition, again, is different with Gallagher now being in there and what he offers. And he's perhaps got to be, you know, needs time to actually hone the skills that Tuchel wants from him in this team. So it's kind of like with some a bit of learning on the job as well. Like it's... I mean, it's that's, tough. A, that's a great just, point because... You know, although we've spent a lot of money this summer, there's always there's a, so much expectation when you spend money, isn't there? That's the way football works. Like that's the way life works. But ultimately, this is like a, a almost different set of players with you know that Katusha's got a you know embed in, and and so we, maybe we should be lowering our expectations for the season. Maybe we should be looking at this as a bit more of a transitional year than an, a title charge year, because I think that's what it's been built up to be. But with all this change probably it shouldn't be and that's just me thinking out loud there I don't know if that's what we should be doing but with yeah, that no. no I agree I think people who thought we were people who thought we would be really changing the title I'd like to know what world they were living in <laughs> because I thought on it I said to people as well I'm, I might even I think I said on here before as well but it was going to kind of get worse before it got better yeah and it was going to be tough the reason it's kind of been so joy the reason it's kind of been tougher than we kind of bet is because we've just been joyless to watch and there's not really been any positives really to kind of draw on or anything to really take away or enjoy about watching us. So yeah. Long answer, Prashanth. I'm not even sure we answered your question, but you know, shock therapy is maybe an answer. Um <laughs> I'll take right. that one. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply next question there's a few from that a few from downhill here 
At what point do we stop turn the heat up on the manager? So this kind of carries on Dan, I think, from what I was saying from the last question, is that Tuchel has now got his like he's got his squad, like he's getting his squad. It will take time for these players to gel and bed in, and I fully accept that. Look, the reality is with Tuchel, if he if we don't get top four this season, he has failed. Um, he has because he's lost essentially one regular from last season in Tony Rudiger. Christensen was like. Play, he played probably what similar amount to someone like Trevor Chalaber last season. Like he's a good player, and we it was a shame to lose him. But you know, Rudiger was that main one big main loss that we've had from last season. I think, I think the pressure's already on him. To be honest, I think you know, turn the heat up on manager. I think he is already under pressure. I don't think it's good yet. You're going to have people saying he's you know he too cool out or he's got to go. I you know I don't think we're anywhere near that at all, and I don't think we should be, but. The football has been dire to watch for ages. I can count on one hand the amount of enjoyable games I've had watching us since Juventus post Juve. Like honestly, like it's just it's single figures. So like there is he is he, there is pressure on him because he's got these players now. He's not using other like he's got a lot of these players are his now. He's kind of got to build something and got get a got, got to get us firing. And look, I'm fully aware that it may take time, and we've you know and we will kind of suffer as a result, but. As I said, we'll see. You know, top four is the bare minimum this season. I think that's the bare minimum at Chelsea every season. Chelsea squad should be getting top four. There's no real excuse if they're not. If he doesn't get top four, I'm not even sure he should go. I'm not even saying he should go if he doesn't get top four. But I think, yeah, if he doesn't get top four, it is a failure. And ultimately, what time point does the do we start to turn the heat up on manager? I mean, I think we kind of have. I think we already have because I think I think at the moment we're literally one game away from any crisis right now. That's the reality of Chelsea. This so far, Chelsea in the start to the season we've had, we're fifth somehow, but we were tenth before before this game week, and we win a game and we're suddenly up to fifth. We've got Fulham away lunchtime kickoff next weekend. That'll be a tricky game. Drop points there. We sh- sh- you know fall back down the table again. Pressure's on again, or you know, and then after that it's Liverpool like. It, it's really like, you know, yesterday's win, if we don't win yesterday, it is not like the mood is so different. Mm. The mood is so different. And, you know, Tuchel gets questioned and probably talks about a lot more. That's probably the reality of it. And that is, is kind of when, when do we start to have a heat up manager? Like, I think he's firmly under pressure already. He, he's got to start. He has to deliver. I'm not going to kind of bang on about it every week and go like, you know, kind of keep putting pressure on him. But the reality is the situation we're in. We're one game away. Chelsea right now is one game away from like a mini crisis of some sort. And it's tiring. And it's something you don't really want to get dragged into too much. So look, he's under pressure. Of course he is, because the start to the season has not been great. Spurs are four points ahead of us. Arsenal are five points ahead of us, could go eight points ahead of us. Like it's, it's her days, but there is already a gap, but we've got to start, you know, closing because otherwise, you know, we'll be in, we'll be in trouble. As I said, at Southampton, that our season was at Southampton. Our season was, you know, already in a very dangerous position, and we're kind of just at the moment. Like maybe may, I don't think I'm sounding overly dramatic here. Maybe I am, but we're kind of literally just staying afoot. We're literally just about keeping our heads above water right now at this stage of the season. That's kind of what it feels like to me. Um, his next question: What is the solution to our clear lack of creativity in midfield? Similarly, what would you do to solve our defensive incompetence from set pieces? Jay, could you repeat the question? <laughs> what is the solution to our okay I'll give you the two parts of this what is the solution to our clear lack of creativity in midfield um, potentially yeah because the, the the passing was literally side to side and then every any time it got to a midfielder it felt like it just went backwards before they even thought about turning forward so yeah it probably was that lack of creativity or just I think I think we've already mentioned it already what is the solution to it Jay what is the solution is a question uh, I just think it's it's the confidence it's confident these players need to be confident to hold the ball keep the ball turn the head and take it forward they need to be confident in doing that because I think they're turning around seeing you know and this is the way it is when you play a smaller side there's more defenders to look at in there you know you're not going to have one defender you're going to have three four like you need to have your confidence in your own abilities to take the ball and run with it um, and these players that haven't got that at the moment but that, that's what I'd say is confidence is the, the solution yeah, and again, simply put, when Cover's fully fit, I think that probably helps. As simple yeah. as, but if Georgie gets some form back, that will help a bit. 
can table without a bit. But again, it's like one of those things like it also needs time to said Connor in vast midfield is going to take time to adapt. Like yeah. if he gets going, then he can also have a big part. Like it's going to take time. Look, we know that the options we've got right now who play there, it's also a bit limited. So yeah, it's going to be tough. Similarly, what would you do to solve our defensive incompetence from set pieces? See, this is like tough because I don't like know like the ins and outs of defending a corner. Um, I, I'll tell you what like, we do, Nick. We hire a better set piece coach if we don't already have one. <laughs> I mean, Anthony Barry's like meant to be like the guy. Nah, it's, it's all going to <laughs> it's all going to crap Put right the now. Heat on him, not too short. No, nah, <laughs> I'm only joking. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, we just they need to be practicing it in training. I think that's the the only way. That's the only thing I can say as a basic level of football tactics. Like we need to be practicing it more because by the looks of it, we're not. You know what? It's not even just defending them; it's taking them off, taking corners at the moment. Oh, we look awful, word. don't we? God, yeah. yeah. We had like Corella and Gallagher <laughs> taking it in turns to hit the first man yesterday. It was oh, yeah, it was just, ridiculous. Yeah, so, no. Maybe Is more it... practice of that, but again, because these because we're a big club because. We have games coming thick and fast. Maybe there's not enough time to do that, but we need to make time because that's a big, big thing uh, lack in our in our game at the minute. Yeah, again, again. Also, I don't know what it's like. I'm, like, I'm trying to think like how tall are certain players we have on pitch. I'm, again, I could be wrong. I mean, Silver's like Silver's not the tallest for a centre back. To be fair to him, no, he isn't. He does get up there. He does get up. For far, again, I have to, I'd have to probably look at all these players' heights, but it doesn't. It does feel like because obviously last year we had Rudy and Christensen, they were kind of probably a bit more of an aerial presence, and maybe we've gone out. It's it's a tough one. Again, also I think it kind of part of it comes down to if we have a confident keeper, it probably helps as well. That probably helps a lot. Mendy yeah, if he comes out and catches every single ball. Like Mendy so. kind of does stay on his line quite a bit. Yeah. I think so. Again, maybe that's part of it. Anyway, these last few questions are all kind of similar. Dan House, lastly, do you drop or stick with Mendy? Next question kind of Marsha. My question should be about Mendy. Under what circumstances do you give Kepper a chance uh, or a run in the side? And Dean wants us, me to say it, Nick. Say it out loud. <laughs> um, yeah, stepbrothers, the reference between you know, the drum kit, etc. So he wants me to say that Mendy, yeah, but Mendy should be got. He wants me to admit that Kepper should start ahead of Mendy. Well, look, Dean, I think you're going to get your wish, right? I think you're going to get your wish. I think <laughs> Mendy might have a knock. And I think he might be injured. No, but and also, she might miss Zagreb. So I think Kepa will get start, get a start against Zagreb. So to answer all your <laughs> questions, start Kepa against Zagreb. Because I think yeah. Mendy's injured, so I get to cop out about cop, cop out giving you a proper answer. <laughs> but I mean, also, like this is it this has come at a perfect time. It, it's it's Zagreb, like of oh, course. Play... It's Zagreb. Oh no, oh, Jay, no, what have I'm, you just said? I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not. But it's the perfect time to play your. Yes, in theory. in theory. In theory, yes. And listen, uh, did you see? Did you see that video of Kepa giving Havertz the instructions? Maybe we don't even. Maybe maybe, maybe get yeah maybe sack Tuchel get Kepa in charge. Yeah, we'll sort it. Yeah, put him in a suit because whatever he said to Havertz worked. Like, listen, <laughs> maybe instead of starting him in net, we start him on the sidelines or even up top if he's giving Havertz instructions. <laughs> Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, look, I think we'll see. Look, I think there's a chance we'll see Kevin midweek. Again, if Manny's even got a slightest knock, I don't see the point in risking him. It gives him a chance for a breather. It gets him out the firing line just for a game or so. Yeah. Again, you've got Kepa here. Also kind of keeps him happy. Yeah. Um, it's a tough situation. I know, look, Kepa's not as good as Mendy. Even, you know, Mendy and this kind of guys is still kind of better, I think, better than Kepa. Yeah. But people forget. But Kepa like, has been... But Kepa's in to his credit has been fairly solid under Thomas Tuchel. He has been fairly good. Mm. I have confidence in him to start midweek. You know, if it goes further than that, we'll have to see. But look, I think Mendy's injury maybe slight injury maybe is a slight blessing. Maybe it gives Kepa a chance to to play, and we will have to see there. But yeah, it's it's interesting. It's yeah, we, we're kind of just getting by at the moment. You know, each each little each little fire we'll try and put out as we can. You know. Before, before we eventually, you know, the house, whole house, house catches fire and there's nothing we can do. But, you know, each little problem at a time and let's hope we sort it out. But look, despite all this, and despite maybe quite a lot of the negativity that maybe you heard on uh, the pods, we are fifth somehow. Woo. We are fifth. Um, <laughs> like we can we can hopefully keep rising up the Prem. Look, it kind of, again, despite how average and poor we've been, we're ahead of Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Like we're ahead of like, Liverpool, probably. That's a narrative that isn't spoke about, to be fair, Nick. Because one uh, of the favourites of the Prem, yeah, exactly. Chelsea, who I'm literally describing as one game away from a crisis at the moment, and like everything kind of falling apart. 
potentially and, go, and going wrong. We're ahead at Liverpool. <laughs> like yeah, really. it's kind of it's kind of mad. So yeah, we'll just see. Look, it's 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 kind of a big two weeks coming up now. Obviously, at the time of recording, like our next few games are Zagreb away, Fulham away, Salzburg at home, and then Liverpool. We need to really before Liverpool, we need to put three wins together. I'm not sure how easy that will be, but I think we need to put three wins together because we need to put run of form together. Because as I say, I keep banging onto it. But win win today's great. You're not going to get top four playing like that. And you need to play and we need to build on it because it can't just be like one of those where we then revert to type or revert to shoddiness and averageness against Fulham. We've got to build on it and we've got to hope that the manner of that the way it happens means it's something we can build on because we need to put form together because I said we're at that stage where the fixtures list has been relatively kind to us with the start we've had like I think it has been kind they're fixtures that we really should have got points from realistically we've got 10 points from our first six uh what six games yeah we probably realistically should have had about 14 12 or 14 mm-hmm. maybe three wins three draws or four wins two draws like and there's maybe not a huge amount from that, but it's the fact that some of the manner of performances as well, like, yeah, sorry for not being more positive. Like, we're, we're, we're getting by at the moment. Like, I'm not really going to go more about we're getting by because I'm fully aware that we could be back in some form of problems next week. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, yeah, going to wrap, leave it there. Jay, thank you as always for coming on, my man. It's been a pleasure. Before you go, why don't you tell people where they can find you and all your work? Thanks for having me on, mate. It's a, it's a pleasure. Always love coming on this pod. Um, uh, back post check out the back post on twitter on youtube or wherever you listen to your podcast we have a podcast out every single monday where we talk about all the football so if you if you know if you like football not just chelsea i offer the chelsea opinion my co-host josh is a spurs fan so i'm sorry for that but we we talk about all the football and we mug off arsenal a lot to be fair and that's fun we rattled a lot of arsenal fans recently which is great fun so yeah check that out if you don't mind and check me out on twitter as well jay tomlins lovely lovely stuff and all those links will be in the description. Make sure you check Jay out. Brilliant, brilliant content he is putting out there. As for us, we're on Twitter, about Chelsea Pod, Instagram, about Chelsea Pod, we're on all your usual podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, etc. If you're not already subscribed, then just search that Chelsea Podcast and we should come up. If you want to leave us a rating and a review, that would be great. Five stars would go in handy, even if we were a bit negative today. Just spam five stars. Um, but yeah, play it to anyone with a functioning pair of ears, please. You know, um, but yeah. Until the next episode, everybody, keep a blue flag flying high. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work, limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.